Today, I want to talk to you about the DNA of greatness. What truly is the core element of a great person? And that is character. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to an Old Testament book of, called Daniel. I want to talk to you today about one of the greats in the Bible. I want to talk to you about the DNA of greatness, and that is being a woman or a man of character. If you do not know the story of Daniel, it's one of the greatest, what I would call pictures of character, a profile in character. Daniel chapter 1. Let's read verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Let me give you a little backstory for those of you that maybe are not as conversant in the scripture. Maybe you're new to Christianity. By the way, we have a lot of new people in our church, a lot of new Christians. We're so excited about this. We baptized 56 people uh, this weekend at church. Come on, can we give the Lord a hand clap for that? Isn't that powerful? 56. So I know there's a lot of new people in our church that, that maybe are new to Christianity. Let me give you a little background here. Daniel... And his friends were in the first church of Jerusalem. And one day they were at church and they walked out of church and they looked to the east and they saw dust clouds. They weren't sure if it was a weather pattern issue or if there was something that was kicking up the, the desert. And the reality is, by the way, those of you that know a little bit about weather today, there are literal off of the coast of Africa, even now as I speak, there are massive dust clouds. The same thing happened in Bible times. Often it was from weather, but other times it was from military sieges when the military, and you would have thousands of troops of, of army and the military and horses that would move into towns and villages and cities. And it would literally look like a tsunami of a windstorm that would kick up. Daniel, as he walked out of church that day, they looked over to the east and they realized it wasn't a weather issue, but it was the Babylonian Empire. Babylon was a massively powerful military force in Bible times. Matter of fact, those of you that know a little bit about world history, you remember taking it, we learned about Babylon. We learned about not only the military power, but their advanced, they were extremely advanced in science. They actually had, you guys remember this in school. How many remember the hanging gardens of Babylon? Do y'all remember that? They had advanced irrigation systems. I mean, it was a fascinating place, but... They hated the Jewish people. And they came one day to take over, watch this, Jerusalem. And they take the Hebrew people into captivity. So here it is. Daniel walks out of church one day. How would you like to walk out of church? And here is an enemy nation coming to take you captive. It's exactly what happened to Daniel and his friends. Daniel chapter 1, verse 2. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand of the Babylonian king. And with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men. Let me pause right there. The leader of this enemy nation came to Jerusalem and took captive people. There was actually three deportations. They would capture people and bring them back to Babylon. They would capture these Jewish people and they'd bring them back to Babylon. Daniel and his friends were 
one of the first group that actually were captured by the Babylonians and taken hundreds of miles to the east and dropped off in downtown Babylon. I think it's interesting when you note that young people have always been targeted by the enemy. That hasn't changed. That if you can target young people, if you can capture the mindset of the young, if you can capture and inculcate secular philosophy into the young and you can train the young mind, then you can, you can have them when they're older. By the way, the enemy has no new tricks. It's the same strategy today. There's always been a targeting by the enemy against the young. That's why we put such an emphasis at Church of the King on the next generation. That's why we put such an emphasis on raising up young world changers in children's church, in youth group, in 252, in lead college. Why? Because we want to, listen, put biblical values and biblical thoughts, build a biblical worldview in young people so that when they're older, they will not depart. How many of y'all believe that's God's will? We believe that's God's will. Watch what happens. Look at verse 4. The Babylonian king put out the call to find young men, young men, in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. Think about this for a moment. You have these young Hebrew kids that are captured by the Babylonians, they're dropped off in Babylon, and now, and now they're presented with something. They've now got to learn Babylonian literature and Babylonian language. Think about that. It's a new world, it's new customs, it's now new language. It's not the Hebrew language, it's Babylonian language. It's not the Hebrew Bible, it's not the Hebrew text, it's now Babylonian. It's not God-honoring, it's now, watch this, it's now secular. Think about that for a moment. In one moment, they were brought out of a familiar environment and they're placed in a foreign land, foreign language, foreign literature. Verse five and six. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of the time they might serve before the king. Now from among those sons of Judah were Daniel Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So the Babylonian king said, I want four top Jewish boys. I want to train them in my literature, in my language, in my worldview. Does this sound familiar or what? In my philosophy, Babylonian philosophy, Babylonian literature, Babylonian mindset. I want to extract the Jewish mindset, and I want to impart a Babylonian mindset. I want to extract from them a Jewish literature in the Jewish language, a Hebrew language, and I want to put Babylonian language into them. Because if I can get them reading the right stuff, our stuff, and if I can get them speaking the way that we speak, oh, but there's another step. New language, new literature, but there's another step. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. We're not going to let you call them the Hebrew names anymore. To Daniel, we're going to give him the name Belteshazzar, a Babylonian name. New language, new literature, new name. To Hananiah, Shadrach. 
Babylonian name. To Mishael, Jewish name, Meshach, Babylonian name. To Azariah, Jewish name, Abednego, Babylonian name. The enemy first wants to give you a new language. Then he wants to inculcate his value system into your mind through his literature. And then he wants to rename you. Because if he can rename you, watch this, he can affect your identity. You do realize the battle that's going on in culture today is over identity. You do realize that. But it doesn't start there. It starts with new language, new literature, renaming. Because if somebody can rename you, they can shift your identity. They can control and manipulate you. Yeah. By the way, this is exactly what the enemy does today. It's exactly what. The further we moved away from God, the further we moved away from biblical truth, the far, then, then now we enter into a new world, new language, new ideas, new thoughts, but God is devoid from the equation. Doesn't end up well. Contrary to Hebrew scripture, these boys, there was something rumbling on the inside of them. You're, you're, you're wanting to to teach me something that is antithetical to what I grew up as a young Jewish boy. And it's not God-honoring. It's not putting God first. And, and, and Daniel, Daniel's being challenged. Matter of fact, they're all being challenged. What, what are they going to do? Are they going to compromise? Are they going to compromise with the, with the Babylonian system? Or are they going to stick with the God-honoring system? Are they going to bow? Or are they going to follow God. By the way, we are in the same place today. There, there are such little biblical convictions in people's hearts, in our nation. We are often led by convenience and not conviction. We are led by preference and not principle. And there comes a moment in Daniel's life and in the lives of his friends where they've got to make a choice. The king comes out the king comes out and the servants of the king and says, okay, we want you, Daniel, we want you to eat the delicacies. We want you to eat the food, the Babylonian food. And Daniel, something goes off inside of me. He goes, wait, time out. I'm not going to partake of that Babylonian system. I'm not going to do it. Look at verse 8. I'm just going verse by verse through this. But Daniel purposed. Everyone say purposed. He said, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies. I think Daniel made the right decision. Daniel was a purpose, a person of conviction. He was a person of character. He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies. By the way, Daniel made a lot of decisions prior to that decision that led up to that decision, that positioned him with the strength to make that decision. Don't wait till you get in the battle. Don't wait till you're in a compromised situation. Don't wait till you're out late at night and everybody's doing it. Well, everybody's doing it. Well, that doesn't mean everybody's got to do it. Well, everybody compromised. Everybody cheats. Everybody. No, 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 that's not true. It's the decisions that you make before the moment to make the big decision that gives you the strength to make the right decision. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies. He would not defile himself with the Babylonian system. 
nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel had exceptional character. Why was Daniel able to make that decision? I tell you why. Because he lived by a different value system. And when the pressure comes, when the heat comes, what values are deep within you? What, what biblical values? Are you a person of, I'm going to say it again, convenience or conviction? Preference. Our culture has is, is been baptized in preference. Everybody's got a preference. Everything is based upon emotion. Everything, it's what you feel. You can be whatever you want based upon what you feel today. Actually, this moment. But isn't there a deeper reality? Isn't there a deeper reality of, of truth and objective reality? Isn't it? Because feelings come and feelings go. Are you, is it based upon preference or is it based upon principle? Is there overriding principles that undergird your life? Where there's a right and there's a wrong and there's a God and there's a devil and there's a heaven and there's a hell. Is there or is there not? Ooh, pastor's preaching. You bet I am. And I don't bet, but you should bet on that. <laughs> Daniel was a man of character, moral strength, fortitude, and inner resolve to be guided by godly principles. Now, I know what some of you guys would think. Well, you know what? If you do it the right way, you always end up last. You lose out. Really? Really? I think it's just the opposite. I think if you do it the right way, it may take a little bit longer, but God's favor and God's blessing will come upon you and God will promote you in due time. You, you think of it this way. You think of it this way. Well, you know what happens? All the business people, everybody's got to cheat. Every, no, really, if you do it the right way, it may take longer to manifest, but it'll be sustainable and it will last when you finally get there. It, let me tell you something. Whether it's school, whether it's whatever the field of endeavor is, in business, academics, in other words, in other words, if you do it God's way, if you're a person of character, God's blessing will come upon you and God will promote you regardless of whether you're in Babylon or not. But, 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 by the way, here it is, here it is. You, you guys, here it is. Remember the lie of the devil. If you do it God's way, you won't succeed. Yeah. Daniel chapter 2, the king has a dream. And in that dream, he has this crazy dream. And he calls all the court, kind of the astrologers, the wise men of Babylon. And he tells them, they, go, they can't interpret anything. Hey, where's that little Jewish guy at? Bring, bring the little Jewish guy here. Hey, we need the little Jewish guy. We picked up, we brought him over here. Where, where, where is he at with his buddies? They brought Daniel then. God speaks to Daniel. Blows the king away. Here's what the king said. The king says, listen, your God is the real God. And as a matter of fact, the king, the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, promoted Daniel to be the ruler over that region. I want everybody to hear what I'm about to say. You need to tell your kids they can thrive in Babylon. They can thrive in every sphere of society. We shouldn't abandon the political realm, the business realm, the arts and entertainment realm, the academic realm, the athletic realm. We should invade every sphere of society and be the salt and light that Jesus has called us to be in every area, in every area. We should be leaders. We should influence culture. How else will the world know without the church being the light of the world? We don't abandon our post. We occupy till he comes. 
We're not going to Montana eating MREs until Jesus comes back at the rapture. Actually, Montana's pretty nice. But anyway, so. But we're going to occupy. Everyone say occupy. You can thrive. You can prosper. You can succeed in Babylon if you'll do it God's way. Business people, listen to me. Do it God's way. God will raise you up. Do it God's way. The favor of God. Psalms 512. The favor of God will surround you like a shield. But you've got to be a person of character, a person of conviction. You gotta do it God's way, not man's way, God's way. Oh, I love this. Daniel chapter 5, verse 12. I love this. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit was found in Daniel. He's a man of character. He wasn't a man of convenience, he was a man of conviction. He wasn't a man of preference, he was a man of principle, not a man of expediency. Oh, I'll just make it work any way we can. He was a man of excellence. I want to give you four thoughts on character, the DNA of greatness. And remember, greatness from God's perspective, it's defined by you and I adding value and helping other people. That's what marks a great person in God's eyes. Four thoughts on character. Number one, if you're writing this down, those of you that are online, follow along. We've got notes. Number one, Character is more than talk. It's more than talk. Anyone can say they have character. Anybody can say that, but it's the actions. It's our actions that are the real indicator of character. Our character determines who we are and also what we do. And there comes that moment when there's a reveal moment. When the moment comes where the pressure comes on, the pressure surrounds us, and what are we going to do? It's, it's no longer just about talk, but it is about, quote, our walk. Matter of fact, the, the, the pagan king comes to the boys and says, bow down and worship me. There's an edict that goes across the land. And you know what the boys said? Here's what they said. And by the way, you got to make up your mind before you get into a compromised situation of what decision you're going to make. What decision are you going to make? Here's what they said. Daniel chapter 3, verse 17, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. In other words, they said, no matter what happens, we're going to choose the right way. Are you a person of conviction or convenience? Make the decision now. Role play in your mind now. When I get into this situation with this person, what am I going to do? When this, in other words, you've got to, it's the choices that you make on the front end that gives you the power to make the right choice when the heat comes on. Yeah. We live in a crisis in our nation. It's a character crisis. I'm not preaching perfection here. I'm preaching character. That we're growing, that we're becoming what God's called us to be. The problem is we put so much emphasis on doing, we've lost sight of what the Bible talks about, what we're becoming. The emphasis, what we do are called outcomes. Who we are is called our character. Yeah. Are we growing? Are we becoming? And the reason why in every sphere there's such a vacuum in every area, why? Because there's such a crisis of character. Because we don't make the decisions on the front end, so when we get into the tough end, we make the wrong decision. A recent poll showed most Americans have a bleak outlook about the current state of moral values in our nation. They're almost mostly pessimistic about the future. 78% say morals are getting worse and worse. That shouldn't be that way in the church. 
We should be getting brighter and brighter. We should be growing from faith to faith, strength to strength. The, the godly people, we, we should be a city set on a hill, the Bible says. And yet, we've got to come to terms with and have what's called a ruthless inventory about where we are. Are we growing? Are we becoming what God's called us to be? Are we growing in the areas of our character? Are we growing the nine fruits of the Spirit? Character is more than just talk. It's our walk. Number two, talent is a gift, but character is a choice. You and I have no control over certain things in our lives. Number one, where we were born. And number two, whom we were born from. I'll never forget, I was a youth evangelist years ago, and this mom came up and brought her daughter, and I wasn't a pastor at the time, and, and she came up, and she was really upset with her daughter. I mean, she was just so upset, and she was just berating her, and she, and she was like, you know, she, she goes, Steve, you know, you just need to tell her, and they started arguing back and forth with one another, and then the, the mom literally said this to the, to the girl in front of me. She goes, I didn't even really want to have you to begin with. Wait, so I respond. Sometimes I respond in the spirit. Sometimes it's the flesh. But it's always a quick response. You can determine whether it was God or not. But anyway, and I said, time out. So you're saying that you really didn't choose to have her? You, I mean, you really didn't want her anyway? Can I help you, ma'am? I'm going to speak on her. Can I help you just for a second? Guess what? She didn't choose you to be her mom either. Whether that was the spirit of the flesh, I don't know, but it felt good. <laughs> Just felt good. <laughs> Nobody wakes up and chooses their parents, chooses where they're born. No, no, th those, are, <laughs> those were not our choices. But after we're born and we start growing, oh, don't miss this. You do then become the summation of your choices. Your choice does not determine where you're born or whom you're born from. But as you grow and as you mature in life, it is your choices. So your character becomes the summation of your choices. Talent is a gift. It's given freely. Some people are extremely talented. I'm not impressed with talent. Why? Because there are a lot of talented people that don't have character. Their lives get shipwrecked quick. We are so fascinated by talented, the external. Oh, it's wonderful to see talented people, but what about character? That's who they are. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature. God sent Samuel down to anoint the, the king of Israel. I mean, who is going to be the next king of Israel after Saul? Who is it going to be? And everybody looks on the outside. What is their IQ? You know, how good looking, how talented they are. Is it, I mean, but, 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 but God says, the way that I look at a person is not based upon the outside. It's based upon the inside. Do not look at his appearance or his physical stature. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the what? Say at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the what? Say at the heart. God looks at our inner character. Question, who are you becoming? I want to give you four power choices that I think that we should make every day. I think these are important principles to live by. Number one, without character, we do what's easiest. With character, we do what's right. 
Sometimes it's painful to make the right choice, but we need to make the right choice. Number two, without character, we are controlled by our moods and our environments. Boy, isn't that true? With character, we are controlled by our values. When you are controlled and led by internal values, biblical values, you're not manipulated by your mood, how you feel. We live in a culture that is so manipulated by feelings. As a matter of fact, people are now defining reality based upon their feelings. That is so dangerous. You can feel whatever you want to feel. By the way, if you are what you feel, then you can wake up a Martian tomorrow. You are not what you feel. You are what God says you are, by the way. Your feelings don't determine reality. Your feelings are a byproduct of your thought patterns. Your feelings come and your feelings go. There's got to be something much deeper than your feelings guiding your life. We appreciate feelings. We're not defined by our feelings. So a person of character, they are led by values, not their feelings, by values. Number three, without character, we look for excuses. With character, we look for solutions. As long as we see life from a victim mindset, it's not to suggest that some people have not gone through injurious situations, tough upbringings, traumatic experiences. Man, as a pastor, I've sat in across more desks and had more conversations with more people that have gone through horrific upbringings. And, and I am deeply sorry about that. It's very painful. But I want to say this as your pastor, you are not defined by past trauma. You are defined by God's potential for your life. You are defined by what God says about your life. You're not a victim. Let me tell you something. As long as you see yourself as a victim, you'll see yourself powerless. But if you see yourself as a follower of Christ, as a powerful child of God, you see yourself as an overcomer. The problem is, is that people make a lot of money off of telling other people that they're victims today. And if you're a victim, if you, if you stay in the victim role, you are powerless. You stay powerless. Again, I'm not suggesting your past didn't influence you, but it didn't determine you. I'm not suggesting it didn't hurt when that person did that to you, but that person can't determine you. You are a powerful person under the authority of God that has the power to choose, to remove yourself from a, from a despondent position to an overcoming position. You got to see yourself. You got to see yourself differently. You're not a victim. You are an overcomer in God. You got to see yourself different. You got to see yourself. You have the power to choose. The power to choose. By the way, you're not an animal. You're not an animal. That's why I don't believe in evolution. I don't believe in evolution because number one, it's not biblical. I don't believe in evolution for two reasons. Number one, it's not biblical. And number two, watch this, it's foolish and irresponsible. Are you kidding me? You think that I came from a pond? Uh, I was part of a, a makeup of primordial ooze? And an amoeba that jumped into another pond, that jumped into another pond. Sometime it jumped out of a pond. It became a little bit of an animal. Then it became an ape, a better looking ape, a better looking ape, an upright ape. And now it's a human being. Question, if that happened and we evolved from apes, then why are apes still here? I guess they haven't evolved yet. They didn't make the curve. No, that's intellectually dishonest. And if you're a science teacher, you know it's wrong. You know you're made in the image of God, the likeness of God, and you have the authority, watch this, to choose. 
By the way, I'm going to say one other thing to everybody. Listen to me. You're not an animal led by sexual drive, appetite, and instinct. You have a moral conscience, and you can choose to move yourself from one place to the next. And by the way, generationally, we can get stronger and brighter because we have a moral conscience. We can make better decisions. You can learn and grow. Pastor, I like when you're funnier. Sometimes messages are Twinkies. Sometimes they're broccoli. How many of y'all love the vegetables you hated as kids? Come on, just raise your hand. You know what I'm talking about. Love me some Brussels sprouts. All right, here we go. Number four, without character, we quit. We quit when we're challenged. With character, we persevere. Christians, we should be the people of all people that don't quit when we're challenged. Adversity should be for, we should eat it for breakfast. <laughs> Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Who are you becoming? Are you a person of convenience or a person of conviction? A person of preference or a person of principle? Yeah. We're at a real crossroads. The further we move away from this, the more that we're only left with self, devoid of God. How many are grateful that God gives us the way? God gives us the blueprint. I'll say this. I'll say this point four in conclusion. Your character can change. Here's the good news. If you'd have known me, if you'd have seen my life before I was a Christian, you'd have said, boy, does he, I needed all kind of help. I needed character transformation. I needed deliverance. I needed every, everything. I, I came up to every altar call. Because like, I just need, I need healing in this. I need freedom in this. Because I knew, I knew me. If you do not know Christ, the first step to character transformation is number one is giving your heart to Jesus. Because when you give your heart to Christ, you're not just forgiven of your sin. Watch this. That's only 50% of the gospel. 50% of the gospel is forgiveness of sin. Here's the other 50%. You're given the gift of the Holy Spirit, the power of God to live the Christian life. Yeah, resurrection power. So if you lack character because you're not a believer, you just need to receive Christ. And when you submit to Christ, you're forgiven. Your conscience is cleansed. You're given a new beginning, a new start, and you're given the gift, the power of God. Inner transformation takes place. There were old things inside of me that I had no power to overcome until Christ entered my life. Number two, for those of you that are Christians, and you say, Pastor, the truth is I'm a Christian. Quite honestly, I, I get embarrassed because I still, I still feel like I lack character in this area and this area. And by the way, we're all growing. I'm growing. Let me tell you what you need. You don't need salvation. You need discipleship. Every one of us need to be discipled and growth. And you know what we need? We need the body of Christ. We need Christ to save us. Then we need his body to grow us up. By the way, that's why we promote small groups here. And let me tell you what you need. You need people to help you, to love you, to encourage you, to weep with you, to rejoice with you. Oh, here it goes. To coach you up, to admonish you, and yes, sometimes rebuke you. Question. Is there anybody in your life that you've allowed to get close enough to you that has given permission by you to speak into your life? I'm asking you that. I, I've given people permission. You, you've got to give them permission. If there's anything you see in my life, with my wife, my kids, if you just see, if you want to speak into my life, man, I want to, I want to be coached up. 
I saw something so good the other day from Peyton Manning, and he, was, he went back to Tennessee, and he was in the, it was supposed to be a 20-minute motivational talk to the coaches. Now, here it is, the guy, one of the best quarterbacks ever, and it ended up being three hours. Some of you guys may have seen that. And what he said over and over, and over I don't care how great you are, you still need to be coached. I don't care how great you are, you still need to be coached. I don't care how good you are. Can I say this? I don't care how long you've been serving Jesus, you still need to be discipled. I don't care how long you've been walking with you, you still need people in your life to help point out the blind spots in your life. I know I do. How many are grateful that God doesn't give up on us? Come on. How many are grateful? How many are grateful? Here's what the Bible says. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The DNA of greatness is character. You can be a man or a woman of God that adds value to other people and become great in God's eyes. But it becomes with surrendering to Jesus. That's how it begins. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head right now. All those at all of our different campuses and churches, those that are in the jails and prisons watching, those that are watching online, with everybody's head bowed, I've got one minute. If you say, Pastor, I do not know Christ. I'm not sure if I die today, I'm ready to stand before God. I want to pray with you right now. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing that Jesus saves. Friends, I can't save you. Being part of a church doesn't save you. You should be part of a church, but that doesn't save you. There's one person, his name is Jesus. He's the God-man. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, who? Jesus, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today that you're ready to stand before God? In just a moment, the count of three, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need the blood of Christ to wash me, to cleanse me, to make me new. I'm not at peace with God. I want to open my heart and surrender to Christ if that's you. In just a moment, the count of three. And those that are watching online, I'm going to ask you to just share with those on the chat to say, I've received Christ. God is touching my life right now. If you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. The count of three. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand up high so I can see it. One, two, three. Quickly hold your hand up high. God bless you up top. God bless you. God bless you right here. God bless you, sir. And you, sir, as well. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, my friend. Anybody else? God bless you right there, sir. Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. God bless you. I see your hand right there. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. God bless you, my friend. God brought you here today, sir. God bless you, son, right there. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you. God bless you. Church, God bless you up top. All the way up top right there, sir. Church family, let's pray with those that are trusting Christ. There's a sweet sense of God's presence here. God loves you. God's not mad at you. He sent his son Jesus to die for you, to be buried and rise again on the third day to break the power of sin off your life, to give you a new life, a new start. Man, that's powerful. Let's pray together, church. Can we do that? Come on, everyone together with those that are trusting Christ. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. From this day forward, I belong to you. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people.
Wow, what an amazing message. I absolutely love hearing about how God can use each and every one of us to be difference makers. Let's say in today's message, God just stirred something up in you, or maybe you have a circumstance that you'd love someone to pray with you through. Our host would love to pray with you in the chat. And hey, if you're out there right now and you are making the decision right now for the very first time to give your life to Jesus, we wanna just say congratulations. We wanna celebrate with you as your church family because this is the best decision you could ever make. And like Leah said, we have an incredible team of hosts in the chat room. If you're joining us live, let them know. And if you're not joining us live, you can follow the instructions on the screen to let us know that you've made that decision today. We would be so honored to come alongside you and resource you in your brand new life of following Jesus. Yes. Or if you've been following Christ for some time now and you're looking for next steps, where our Church Online Dream Team is for you. So join Church Online Next Steps today for a practical way of how to be a difference maker. Hey, as you're taking your next steps, we just wanna say again, thank you so much for joining us here at Church Online. It has been such an honor having you. We've had so much fun being with you today, and we hope you join us again next week as we continue our series, Difference Maker. Same time. Same place, see you there.